Welcome to Simple Handmade Every Day, a podcast about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and keeping a cozy, organized home. Grab a cup of something warm and let's sit down for a chat. This is episode 23. I'm coming at you from the California equivalent of the depths of winter. It is pouring rain outside. It has been for a while. And, you know, I got to say, I'm getting a little case of cabin fever. Because in California, when it rains, you pretty much just try to stay home because no one knows how to drive in the rain, probably including me. (laughs) But it just seems so cozy to stay in, have a fire on, drink some tea. But in reality, I need to go to the post office. I need to get the heck out of this house. (laughs) I work from home and I am a homebody, so it generally does not bother me, but I realize that, you know, weeks can go by and, you know, other than going to the grocery store, I can never leave the house and I am just, and then it'll just hit me. And that's where I am right now. Where I'm just like, I need to go have coffee with a friend. So I may hit Minky up after record this and say, will you make me a cappuccino? Because I need to get out of the house and I will walk 17 houses down with my umbrella and she will feed me coffee and probably something sweet because she always has something good at her house, which I can never reciprocate on when she comes to my house because I try not to keep sweets in the house. But I digress. But yes, it's raining, raining, raining. And the other thing that happens where I live is when this happens and we're in early, well, I mean, I guess we were technically in winter, but it's seeming like, you know, we're going into spring and people start saying to each other and they do this like in line at the grocery store and stuff like, have you been up the grade? It looks like Ireland. Have you driven down the 23? It looks like Ireland, which is our way of saying all the the rolling hills around here are bright green with new growth and and everybody calls it Ireland. We also speak in freeways. Have you been down the 23? Have you been down the 118? Have you been up the grade? It's all, all, that's where we see all the hills. And it does, it, you know, I've never been to Ireland, but it is what I imagine Ireland looks like. So it's very beautiful right now. And I will miss this horribly come June when it's all dead and brown and, and beautiful in its own, you know, circle of life way. But right now everything is bright green and I would love to go hiking. I would love to get out into the backyard and um, get the garden going. I've got this bag of 60 bulbs to create a cutting garden that it's just, it's too wet out there, which part of me is like, yay, it's too wet. I can't work in the yard. (laughs) I have every excuse to say, stay in and sew. But part of me is like, I'm ready to like turn this backyard around because we kind of ignore things over the winter, except for just mowing once a month. Um, But the weeds have taken over, especially with all the rain. So it's getting a little out of hand. It makes me a little nervous every time I walk out there, just knowing how much work it's going to be to get it all under control. Um, But yeah, so I'm just, I'm I'm ready to to kind of move on, to wash the windows. The windows are a wreck from all the rain. Um, So I'm just, I'm I'm ready. I just realized I do this all the time. I have not talked about my cup of tea. Here, I'm going to lean down and get the package because I'm, I'm back on my simple loose leaf tea. I actually tried to record this yesterday, but had terrible technical difficulties. So I just abandoned it and found out that I kind of have a bad port on my computer and the, the sound quality was terrible, but I hopefully have that fixed. So yesterday when I sat down to record, I was drinking the blood orange herbal 
um, simple loose leaf tea. I'll put a link in the show notes. It was delicious. I, I did sweeten it a little bit with a little bit of stevia. And um, it was just good because I can kind of go a little crazy with how much caffeine. I, I just drink two cups of coffee in the morning, but then I can just drink tea all the day long and um, and get a little jittery. So I thought I'd go with the herbal and that was delicious. And now that is gone. I'm done with that. So today I pulled out the Blue Lady Gray, which is um, whole leaf black tea, blue mellow blossoms, lavender flowers, and bergamot flavor. And you know, I've always said bergamot, but I look at that and I'm like, that is a French word. It's probably bergamot. I don't really know, like Merlot, right? I should have looked that up. Now I'm embarrassed. But anyway, so that's the ingredients. It's it's delicious. I tend to not love lavender in food. I think I've talked about this before because it sometimes tastes like soap to me, but in this case, uh, it's quite delicious. So so that's the that's what I'm drinking. I hope you're drinking um, you know, something fun. And like I said, I will put a link link in the show notes for that. Before we move on to quilting, I would once again like to thank Fat Quarter Shop for being a sponsor. Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, and notions. They are always coming up with exciting new exclusives, clubs, and quilt-along programs. Fat Quarter Shop carries all major brands such as Moda, Riley Blake, Wyndham, Robert Kaufman, and Art Gallery Fabrics with the largest selection of Fat Quarter bundles in the world. Whatever fabric, pattern, or notion you're looking for, chances are they'll have it. And if they don't, just ask. Their customer service team is the best, and they will even help you match colors over the phone and online. Visit them at fatquartershop.com. This month, Fat Quarter Shop is featuring 20% off of confetti cottons from Riley Blake and 30% off of all clover notions. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. Let's talk quilting. The first thing I need to just get out in the open is the fact that I was completely wrong about where the next quilt con is. I said it was in Portland, which I was very, very sure of when I said that. I have no idea where I got that impression, but it's not in Portland. It is in Austin, Texas. And then the one after that, let's see. uh, So 2020 is in Austin. 2021 is in Atlanta. So um, I don't know if I will make the one in Austin. That is still really far away. But it is a goal of mine to make the one in Atlanta. I have friends in Atlanta. My friend Holly Ann from String and Story lives in Atlanta. my friend Francis is driving distance. Quilton Jenny's in Atlanta. So many people. So I am going to um, definitely, I'm going to save my pennies. My birthday is right around this time. As a matter of fact, my birthday is on daylight savings time this week, which means my birthday is one hour shorter <laughs> than everybody else's birthday, except for my husband's because his, his, we actually have the same birthday. So anyways, um, I can just say, you know what? I want to go to QuiltCon as an early birthday present. So that is kind of my plan at this point. Let's talk a little bit about QuiltCon. I know I talked about it last time, but it was before it happened. And if you were like me, you're probably getting a little QuiltCon fatigue. <laughs> but I would just like to acknowledge that it was very fun to just watch the QuiltCon um posts come through on social media. I think it's super cool that the Best in Show quilt was um, a group quilt. And I do think that uh, I would like to get involved in something like that someday 
in life, you know, in real life or online, some, you know, I should probably do some sort of a B. I get real like anxiety about sewing for other people though. Like I've got a quilt I'm going to talk about in a few minutes that I'm going to send out for long arming to uh, my friend Holly Ann, who's like very kind. And I am like, just sort of like insecure about the fact that now, you know, not every point is perfect and stuff. And, you know, when you're quilting a quilt, you were up close and personal. It's like waxing your car and you just see every little thing. I'm just like, oh, she's going to judge me. And I know she won't, but man, I apparently have some pride hangups there. But anyways, um, so fun, fun to see the the best in show. There's so many wonderful quilts. I just, it's kind of crazy how much I love modern quilts. I love to look at them but I do not make them. And I have talked about this sort of incessantly over the last few podcasts about why do I admire them so much, but don't make them. And I think part of it is because I don't know where to start. So I have made it a goal again to play around with no agenda in mind, do some improv and work with solids. Um, IG Quilt Fest is going on right now. And one of the things that they talk about um, you know, you had to do a little intro thing. And I said that I'd never made an all solid quilt and I really want to, to fix that. And um, so it's it's really fun to to click around on that hashtag for IG Quilt Fest. And I tend to get into this bubble where I feel like, you know, I am sort of touching the the main players and the, you know, the, of the whole quilt industry. And you get into these hashtags and you realize, man, there are so many people out there that are just outside my bubble that are doing amazing things. It's, it's pretty cool. But I really enjoyed seeing a lot of the, the handwork quilts and um, some of the workshops looked amazing. So this is definitely something that I need to get to soon so that I can just, you know, continue to get that little buzz of inspiration. Francis over the off-kilter quilt has done a two-part podcast um, on QuiltCon. So you may want to check that out. And um, Holly Ann did a... Um, like a, a recap post and Vicki Holloway over at my creative corner three did a recap post. So lots of people just talking about their experiences there and uh, it's all, all worth checking out for, for inspiration. As part of my goal for getting into um, improv, I'm doing a workshop next week with Sarah Goer with a local quilt guild that I went to last month and I bought a raffle ticket and I won the workshop class. I've never done a workshop before. I've done a couple, you know, like quilt classes at a quilt shop, but I've never done like a a guild six hour workshop. So I'm excited about that. I need to put together my materials. There's a materials list of, um, it's, it's improv and she kind of gives you some guidelines of the types of fabrics to bring. And, um, so I know I'm going to find that hard to figure out. (laughs) So I need to, to get on that, but I'm really excited about it. I will tell you all about it in the next podcast. What I've been working on like crazy is this um, quilt that's got those Boro fabrics from Moda, which have been so fun to work with. So um, Boro is this style of stitching that that is um, Japanese, I believe, and it's used in like visible mending. It's like a running stitch that you repeat over and over. And the fabrics in this line are these dark sort of indigo blues, and they have um, those types of uh, very organic um, kind of stitching lines on them. And I, I'm loving working with them. There's quilting cottons and there's wovens. And it's this quilt is a mix of all of them, including, I talked about last week, I need to find the right word. I don't know. I'm calling it linen, but it's even coarser than linen. 
um, it's an off-white fabric and it gives the quilt beautiful texture but my goodness when you use those coarser fabrics do they fray so that has been kind of a challenge but that quilt is done now and I have swept up like piles of of fibers from you know the the fraying of that background fabric so that right now is sitting waiting to be shipped out for long arming and um, I'm hoping I can squeeze it into a medium box at the at the post office one of those flat rate boxes so I've put it in this Ziploc space bag we used these when Chloe went to Norway. So you put it in there and you use the vacuum cleaner to suck all the air out of it, which means it's probably going to be wrinkled like nobody's business. But it it like makes it about half the size. So it weighs the same, but it's just like, it's like, it's sort of like mailing a brick. So I'm not sure that um, the dimension wise, I got it small enough, but we're going to see. And so that, that's a whole big experiment. So I need to get that out, shipped out today. But that has been like just, I've been obsessively working on that, but it's been really fun. It's just like chain piecing, you know, heaven for me. And um, so, but I'm very glad to have that one sort of knocked off till it comes back in probably two weeks. And then I will bind it and, and send it off. It's It's for a magazine. And I really do best when I'm like under a a deadline that like that because it makes me quilt at night where sort of the you know I, I I work and take care of the house during the day and I always think I'm gonna carve out a little time during the day to sew and I would like to get to that point but the reality is I don't and then we have dinner and we all clean up and then my husband and I usually go for a walk and then it's like often 7 30 or 8 and that's when I should just go spend at least 30 minutes in the you know sewing but sometimes I'm lazy and I just I plop down the chair right inside the door and start scrolling Instagram and before I know it it is 8 30 and now I'm tired and you know so I just because I had this deadline I was just like I need to get in there after the walk every night and all you need is just something to break through that barrier that resistance to start and then I'm perfectly happy I mean I love to sew so it's really funny how you can put off things that you love to do just because there's some sort of a barrier to getting started um, and so you know I've heard this I was telling my sister-in-law this the other day um, I heard this tip I think it was my first uh, quilting teacher her name was Vicky and she said when you're sewing it's a it's a big temp temptation to say okay I'm just gonna I'm gonna finish this stack of blocks and then I'm gonna be done for the night but in reality what you should really do is leave yourself the last block sitting right there in your sewing machine ready to go because then you know exactly what you need to do to 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 start again and it kind of it overcomes that resistance where if you come into your sewing room and you're just like okay it's like what's the next thing I need to do like if there's any decision to be made it's just easy to walk away so if you just leave yourself an easy task then you're into it then it's like okay now I'm gonna press these and I'm gonna sew them into rows and you know um, it's just it's just like one of those little little hacks to overcome resistance and I need to remember to do that um, my next thing that I need to do is get back hand sewing I am falling behind in my own quilt along and I'm, I'm only like I'm a half a block behind but so that's going to be my um my big project and that's something that also I have to overcome like that's something that I never I don't seem to hand sew during the day which is dumb I should like take a little break in the afternoon with my cup of tea and just do a couple patches because you know what little things add up to big things 
And um, so I need to get caught up on that. But for me, I sort of, um, that is relegated to nighttime TV watching, you know, crafting time. But sometimes you just need to kind of break out of those barriers. So that that's my next goal. And then I've got three more quilts that, that, that I need to get going for various reasons. Um, I've got a quilt that I'm making with Minky Kim's fabric. I'm very excited about her Someday fabric. And it's a pink and navy uh, kind of restricted color palette quilt. And I'm very excited about making it. And I need to make Ben's quilt, um, the one I've talked about a lot called Rooftop Wonders. I have the fabric in my hands. It's just that, you know, the cobbler's children go barefoot, right? I just, I keep pushing that one off because of, of other sort of obligations. And then the last thing I want to do, and I haven't come up with a quilt design. I've been playing around. Um, Poppy Cotton sent me some fabric um, and it's the Prairie Sisters line. And again, I'm going to reach down here and I'm going to pick it up. I, I posted on Instagram a, a couple pictures and I did it in my stories and it is the sweetest line. It's, um, I'd say it's very, it's like sort of traditional. So I definitely think I want to do more of a traditional quilt with it, but it's got some florals. It's got um, these kind of uh, reddish fabrics with chickens on them and um, some ginghams and some beautiful blender fabrics and pinks and yellows and mint green. And then this nice, um, I want to say gray, but it's a little bit of a brownish gray. And I mean that in the very best of ways. I really love love that color because it's it's not brown and it's not gray, but it's soft and it really goes with, with everything. And here's a little, oh, the chicken fabric's adorable. And there's florals and ginghams and, and sort of a basket weave. So I'm very excited about... Um, coming up with something for that and I've sat down at EQ a couple times and I'm just not quite happy with what I've come up with you know sometimes it's a little bit hard in my opinion to come up with a quilt design for like a bundle because there's a lot of different colors here and I need to get more comfortable just picking out a color scheme and and stop trying to work every piece of fabric in because when I work with a bundle I feel like oh I want to show it all off it looks so pretty here but I don't know I just feel like sometimes it just doesn't um, I can't come up with a design that really utilizes it in a in a way that seems cohesive so um, I'm looking here and I really want to use these reds and pinks and, and maybe the blues and greens, and maybe I'll just, that'll be a, my warm, cool combo, and just leave the rest of it for something else. Another thing would be really cute out of this is um, the noodle head bag called the Wide Open Pouch, I think it's called. I made one, it's one of my knitting pouches, and it, it opens up really big, it's got a really long zipper, and this chicken fabric would be super cute to use on a pouch like that. So I might, you know, just say, okay, I'm gonna make a quilt, with these colors and then save this other stuff for like a like a pouch so anyway so those I've got so lots of quilts to make um, which means of course that I'm not really getting to the two quilts I've only got two quilts left to quilt my pineapple quilt and um, a charity quilt for quilts for cure so I'm, I'm getting things done I'm really excited about that actually I guess I've got a few other quilts that are put away but the ones hanging on my to be quilted rack are those two and uh, and I need to to get those going, but um, it's just so exciting to start a new project because I'm really a piecer at heart, and so it's just really hard for me to get off my duff. I need somebody who will quilt for free for me. 
<laughs> that would be that would be the best situation. Yesterday on the hashtag IG Quilt Fest, we were supposed to post about our favorite notions, and I, you know I'm never great about seeing those things all the way through, but I did just want to talk about. Um, a notion that I've been using when I did this a quilt with the Boro fabric that I I, ha- I don't use very often, but man, I fell in love with it again. And it's the June Taylor shape cut ruler, and it's a strip ruler. So it's like about 14 inches wide, and it has these slits um, every half inch. And so I needed many times during the making of this quilt, like two inch strips or I would, um, and then sometimes I would sew those together and then need to cut those into three and a half inch strips. And you just lay it down. I'll put a link in the show notes and just cut along these long strips instead of constantly having to move a ruler. And it's so nice. It's just, it's it's accurate and it's less moving around. I know that uh, Creative Grids has one too, and I'm sure I would love that because I love everything that Creative Grids does. But I got this um, June Taylor one at Quilt Market a few years ago. So I'm going to use what I have. And um, so I don't know if you've ever used one of these types of rulers, but definitely check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, But yeah, it's just like, you know, we quilters can use a lot of gadgets and I try not to have too many, but man, do I, I really love that one. All right, let's move on to, well, as you know, I'm, I'm kind of not talking about knitting too much anymore. As much as I will mention knitting, I am wearing hand-knit socks that I knit last year. Um, I called them my Neapolitan socks, and I love them so much. I cannot get over how much I love to wear hand-knit socks when it's raining. It makes me feel so cozy. I still have a pair of socks on the needles that, you know, I just, uh, it got pushed to the side when quilting things really started to rise up. So, um, and also with the hand piece quilt along, again, I have this period of time during my day that I do handwork, and that has been usurped by, um, by hand piecing right now. No complaints there, but I should probably like say during my lunch break, I will put in five minutes of knitting on the sock. You know, that's what I think I'm going to do because I'd really like to get another pair of socks off the, off the needles there. But we're just going to move right on to what I'm reading. And this relates to a show that I've been talking about the last couple podcasts called Home Fires. And it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's a w- World War II England um, women coming together <laughs> to keep the home fires burning, basically, dur- during World War II. So that show is two seasons long. They clearly thought that there was going to be a third season because it ends with a cliffhanger. So I did a little research. I, I-, I watched it a couple years ago. I rewatched it, refell in love with it. And once it was over, I, I looked up like, what happened here? You know, like, was when was it canceled? So basically, it wasn't renewed. And the fans got all up in arms about it because this kind of a big thing happens at the end of episode two or season two. And so the, the fans kind of um, tried to get this grassroots uh, movement going to, to bring it back for another season that ultimately failed. But the guy that wrote the show, what he did is he wrote a series of ebooks to tell you how the next season was supposed to go, which I thought was very interesting. And what I really like about this fact is that it, it it's not that it's not fan fiction. It's not like somebody else imagined the next season. This was the guy 
that knew what was going to happen. So, and I don't know why he wrote eBooks, but they're they're cheap. There's four of them, and they're two ninety nine each. But they all equal one book. So it's about so you you know can just buy the whole thing. There's not much of a discount to do it. I just bought the first one because I'm like, what if he can't write a novel? Um, and then I just ended up buying the, the next three altogether. So what I have to say, so that's what I'm reading right now. Um, and I think they're, oh, one of, I think they're, it might be called Keep the Home Fires Burning now that I think about it. The, the guy is a better screenwriter than novelist, in my opinion. That said, for 12 bucks, I'm glad to know what was happening, um, especially that the first book, because, you know, you want to find out very immediately what what the results were of this thing that happened at the end of season two. So at first I was like, oh, this is interesting because as you can do in books, you can be inside people's heads. You can hear their thoughts, which is not something that you can really do on TV um, or on a show. And I first really realized this. I don't know if I've told the story before. I thought I had read Pride and Prejudice. Um, you know, it's like I've seen the movie. I've seen the miniseries. I, I, and somewhere along the line, I assumed that I had read it until I listened to an audiobook book version of it and realized that that's when I realized that I had never read it because I never knew that Mr. Darcy was having conflicted thoughts about Elizabeth Bennet so early in the story because his actions are not conveying that. His actions are at odds with what his thoughts were. So that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I've never actually read this book. And so it's the same thing here where um, you're finding people who seem like very strong characters are actually quite insecure in their own thoughts. So th so first I was like, oh, this is cool. You can be inside their heads. Um, he does a weird thing where everything that's in that people are thinking are in italics, which is unnecessary. And it's a little bit, at some point I get sick of it. It's like it's too much in their heads. But, um, and it's a book where I have to say that I am, I notice the writing. And to me, that's always a little bit of a clue that it's not beautifully written because beautifully written books just play out like movies inside my head. And if I notice the writing, um, like I just feel like, he's trying a little hard to be descriptive because he's probably not used to that because he's really a screenwriter. I actually have done no research on this guy. I do not know what his, uh, his resume is. Maybe he really was a novelist. I have no idea. But all of that said, I'm giving it a very mediocre um, thumbs up. I have become very attached to these characters and I am very happy to um, to, to spend some more time with them and see how their stories play out. I'm in the middle of the third ebook, and these ebooks, like I said, the whole, all four books together make a book. So they're very short. I, they really probably take about an hour to read. So um, I haven't actually finished it. But yeah, if you were a little bummed out by the end of Home Fires, check it out. <laughs> As for what I'm watching, of course, if I'm doing a ton of sewing, I've definitely got the TV in the, uh, my sewing area on with headphones on like wireless headphones and I pretty much just listen to shows which is I've I've I'm all caught up in Victoria which it's kind of a shame that I'm only listening to it because it's such a beautiful show that every time I look up I realize how much I'm missing by only listening to it which is okay it just means that someday I will watch the whole thing over again and I will be delighted by all the the visual beauty my husband and I 
finished The Handmaid's Tale. I made it through, people. I did not think I had it in me to get through the very, very dark Handmaid's Tale. But at some point, I became invested in these characters. And so it is very hard to watch. I spend a lot of time closing my eyes with my fingers and my ears going la 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 until some horrible execution is over or something. But um, it ends with, you know, uh, what's, what's funny is we thought it was 10 episodes. I don't know where we got that idea. <laughs> Same place I got the idea that QuiltCon was in Portland, probably. And so we were like, okay, this is the last episode. The, you know, last episode. This It's going to be over. <laughs> we were so excited to be done with it. And, it. and that episode ended with this huge cliffhanger. And we were just like, oh, my gosh, I cannot even believe that that's where it ended. And then, you know, on, on Netflix, then the next episode comes up. And so it was like episode 11. We were just like, what? No! And there, is, there was actually 13 episodes in that season. So it took us another like week to get through it. But um, I have to say that as excruciating as that is to watch, it is, um, I want to say it's visually beautiful. What it is is visually cold. It's kind of like watching um, Game of Thrones where everything has this kind of blue cast to it to make everything seem a little cold and sinister and that's how Handmaid's Tale is but there's something that I noticed so it, it is current day because at some point there you see what it's like in Canada and everyone's on cell phones and like you know living a completely normal life but in Gilead where the Handmaid's Tale is um, it's like they've gone back in time there are no cell phones um, there is no plastic which is the one good thing about Gilead. You know, I don't know. They never really tell you what has happened to cause this craziness of um, of this theocracy that has taken over and sort of, you know, like there was some rebellion and they've taken over part of the United States, a large part from what it seems like. And, you know, like they're just living under this weird rule. But they've gone back to like you know, Little House in the Prairie times where everything, you know, is in, you know, glass and, and jugs. There's just, there's no plastic to be found, which I find like kind of cool. Like I would like to live in a world where there is no plastic. I probably don't want to live in a world where there's zero plastic, to be honest with you, because there's lots of good plastic things, but there's a lot of ridiculous plastic things. And I've talked about this um, in the homemaking part of this podcast before that I'm really trying to to cut down on our plastic consumption, um, produce bags, like, you know, like we routinely refuse straws and all this is so paltry compared to the problem that plastic is, but you know, you can only do what you can do. But, um, I kind of find that inspiring. Also, everybody basically wears a uniform in Gilead, um, which is, seems really oppressive, but there's part of me that would be like, it'd be really nice not to have to think about what you're going to wear. <laughs> That's a joke. I really don't really want to, you know, wear a handmaid's outfit every day. But so we got through that. And um, so I think the next season is going to come out in the next couple of months. So that will be new, new, fresh torture for me. But I was looking for a new show. It could not, I've watched just like a ton of, you know, Midsummer Murders and Wallander. And a lot of people have recommended Wallander for me, which is a Swedish murder mystery with Kevin, Kenneth, no, Kenneth Branagh, which... I didn't even realize it was Swedish at first because everybody talks with an English accent. So not sure what's up with that. I just thought it was British until 
I don't know, they showed something on screen that had words and it was all in Swedish. I'm like, oh, this is one of the Nordic ones. So I, I am enjoying that. But at some point, like when I'm putting in eight hours a day sewing, I can only see so many people being murdered. I'm like, I need something fresh. So I found a show. I have, again, like I am the last to know about these things. It's called um, Madam Secretary. It's like five or six years old. It's from 2014. It's got Tia Leone as the, um, as the star for Madam Secretary. She's Secretary of State. And it's like West Wing Light. You know, it's like that kind of political um, drama where you are watching people wrestle with, you know, decisions that have huge consequences for the country and the world. And I just keep finding myself thinking, thank goodness that is not my job. I would not want to to make these decisions, but um, it's a strong woman in power and I am enjoying it very much. She's also um, a mom of three teenagers or one in college. And, and, um, you know, so I can kind of relate. Actually, I looked her up because I'm like, why do I know who Tia Leone is? And looking back on her resume, I still don't even know why I know who she is other than I know she married David Duchovny from the X-Files. That's, you know, she's like did little guest appearances on different shows, but I don't know why I know who she is, but she's basically exactly my age. And so I kind of just appreciate that, you know, that she is um, playing a strong woman character that is trying to balance family. And it's so, so it's really good. Also interesting Elizabeth Moss, who stars in A Handmaid's Tale, is also the producer. And Tia Leone, who stars in Madam Secretary, also the producer. So I also think it's really cool and fascinating how these women are creating vehicles for themselves so that we can see strong women characters on TV. So I'm really, I'm really enjoying that. So let's move on to the homemaking portion. I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about this week um, when I was doing preparing, preparing for this yesterday. And I realized that the thing that was really kind of making me happy, giving me that smug homemakerly feeling that I enjoy having is that I was doing a little bit of what I would call weekly prep. I am not a meal prepper. I'm not one of those people that, you know, make up big batches of, let me cook up all this ground beef and chicken breasts, and then I will use it throughout the week. I do menu plan, but I don't prep on that level. But I do sort of prep snacks. And I think that it puts us in a pretty good place for the rest of the week. And I also never do it on Sunday because I try to do only things like that I want to do on the Sabbath. So my meal prep stuff often starts on Monday or even Tuesday because I usually work a long day Monday. So by Tuesday, I'm like, you know what? I need to kind of get into homemaker mode. And um, so I usually hard boil a bunch of eggs, you know, like maybe eight eggs and um, my husband and my teenage son just love to grab those for snacks and even, you know, for breakfast and things like that. I take a, um, a container and I wash and prep baby carrots, sugar snap peas and celery. And we always have hummus. So, so those kind of vegetables that I buy every week, but if I just leave them in the crisper, no one is going to reach for them. If they are washed and in a Tupperware container that is at eye level in the refrigerator, people grab them. So we've got veggies, we've got the eggs for protein. I often also make up, um, and I don't always do this all in one day. Sometimes it kind of staggers throughout the week. I make up a batch of muffins, which is not so healthy, but they're mostly for Ben who at, you know, 
140 pounds, I don't know, you know, tall, skinny, he can handle a little bit of fattening food. Um, I like to have some muffins for him because then he can, he can grab them for breakfast. He can grab them for snacks. He throws an extra one in his lunch sometimes. And it just is, um, it makes it kind of easy. So those kinds of three things together just kind of make um, eating relatively healthy, a little bit more convenient. Also yesterday, I was making um, chicken stock and nothing makes me feel um, more homemakerly than making chicken stock, which is so easy. So every time we go to Costco, basically, I buy one of those rotisserie chickens because they are good and they are cheaper than buying a raw chicken. And I keep the carcasses and I freeze them. So I had three chicken carcasses um, in the freezer. So I threw them into my instant pot with carrots, some kind of old celery, onions, you know, a bay leaf, and, uh, you know, salt, peppercorns. And um, in the instant pot, you can set it for, actually, I don't put actually any chicken in, just like the chicken bones is enough to really flavor it. Oh, I put a little apple cider vinegar in there too, like a tablespoon or two. And you set it for two hours. And then I pour that out. I fill it back up with water, go two more hours. You mix all that stock together and it's delicious. And it's so little work. I do strain it through cheesecloth. Um, when it comes out, but it's so little work. So I base. So now I have, um, like I don't know, about five quarts of chicken stock in the fridge right now, ready to go. And I'm going to make some chicken noodle soup today because it's raining and we have a concert, band concert tonight. So if I make soup, uh, kind of early in the afternoon, then Ben can have it before his call time, and then my husband and I can have it before we have to go to the performance. And it's just so nice to have that done. But um, yeah, so. I don't know if you have an Instant Pot, um, but making chicken stock and making hard-boiled eggs. When I say I do hard-boiled eggs, I actually do them in the Instant Pot. Six minutes, um, quick pressure release, and they are done. And you can peel the peels off in one hand. You know how sometimes when you do hard-boiled eggs, you know, like they're a wreck, the, the peels stick to the egg and stuff. There's something about cooking them under pressure makes the peels come off amazingly. So I am not one that cooks a ton of actual food in my Instant Pot, but hard-boiled eggs, rice, and chicken stock has made the investment worth it for me. I checked the reviews before I started recording and no new reviews this week, people. So here I am again. I'm begging you. <laughs> if you enjoy this podcast, I um, would encourage you to leave a review on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, whatever podcast catcher you listen to it on, um, and or share it. Share it with a friend that you think might enjoy it. Thank you to everyone who has left ratings and reviews up to this point. Um, I just really appreciate it. And that's about it for this episode. If you want to find me online, uh, just Google Simple Handmade Every Day or Kristen Esser and you'll find me. I appreciate you spending this time with me and have a great week.